G'day everybody, Matt Ellis with you for another edition of the Cricket Library podcast and we have a very special treat for you in this edition of the program. We get to hear from someone who's done it all. They've played for their country in all three formats. They have an Ashes hat-trick to their name. They've won WNCL titles and was part of the Sydney Thunder squad that won the inaugural WBBL title. I am, of course, talking about Renee Farrell. And today we get to hear her story on the Cricket Library podcast. She picks up the key wicket of Sophie Devine. Just a great start. Lucy, you said she's so good at executing. Well, you cannot execute oh, much better than that. That's a great delivery. Top of all And it's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast. Renee Farrell, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure having a Thunder connection to the podcast. I I have to confess up front, and I know our regular listeners would be well aware, I'm a massive Thunder fan, and I'm looking forward to hearing about your time at the Thunder, as well as your other achievements, which we'll touch on. But before we get there, I'd love to know where your passion for the game started. Yeah, well, I grew up with an older brother. Uh, and one morning, mum just came up to both of us and was like, do you want to play cricket or tennis? And my brother chose cricket. So, uh, you know, wanting to follow in the footsteps of my big brother, I decided to choose cricket as well. Um, sometimes I wish he chose tennis because if I made it in that, there's probably a little bit more money and exposure that goes on there. <laughs> but uh, no, glad, glad he chose cricket. Uh, team sports definitely for me. So, I mean, when we were young kids, we grew up in, uh, in the backyard playing against each other. And it probably is fitting because I always had to bowl to my big brother and um, he, yeah, he always wanted to bat. So um, Christmases and all that sort of stuff, we'd go over and I'd have uh, three older cousins, male cousins as well. So um, got a lot of experience uh, bowling at them. And um, it's really interesting how they say that your backyard influences how you play because we had a pool on the leg side. So I'm putting that down to me backing away and trying to hit through the covers all the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we always used to play. Mum would come down to the nets and throw to me. Um, and then, yeah, just from there sort of grew into it, grew a love for the game. Um, obviously, love people. So being uh, with, you know, 10 of your close mates or some good mates um, on the weekend, my passion for it just grew and grew. And, and as that happened, sort of got higher up and the representative honours sort of came after that. So, yeah, I've been, been very fortunate in my career. And you, you get a chance with the Breakers 2006-7. What was that like for you as a youngster coming in to the highly successful setup of, of New South Wales cricket at the time? Yeah, it was um, real surprising. Sort of, I, I moved from St George Sutherland. That was my local club team. And I was probably one of the most experienced players there um, alongside Kato and uh, who, yeah, between us, we were probably quite young and, and obviously hadn't represented New South Wales or Australia. So I decided to move uh, club, uh, grade clubs and I moved to Balmain Tigers at the time and that had the likes of Michelle Gosco, Julie Hayes, Martha Winch uh, and Leah Poulton, all these sort of players that had played for Australia or New, uh, New South Wales. So... 
me it was quite appealing and I decided to make that move to, to learn off some of the greats. So uh, turned out to be a great move because that season I did make uh, towards the back end of the, the New South Wales season. I um, got to play some National League games. So it was good to sort of know a few of the girls and have that experience and time alongside them. But as any youngster would be, obviously nervous in the first few rounds and you know, you just want to do everything right, be on time um, to training or the bus ride and, and really do your best in the game. So I think we ended up winning that first year and that was the time when it was uh, three Yeah, three-game series. So you, yeah. yeah, three-game series. So um, I remember I got, I was part of Catherine Fitzpatrick, Patrick, so I think it was the last ball of the game and she was on a hat-trick and I decided to go for the slog, which is Typical Renee Farrell, Helen Madding, um, and unfortunately got bowled. But um, yeah, we ended up winning, and I guess that's sort of where yeah the love for the the WNCL kicked off, and um, yeah, have a have a real soft spot for fifty over cricket. And you must have made a bit of an impression. The end of that season, uh, you tour with the Australian youth team to New Zealand. Um, what what was that like? Was that an a, an expected thing, or did that take you a bit by surprise? I think the Australian A series, I was um, not quite surprised by that. It was a real group of youngsters that had been through under-19 reps, so such as Elise Perry and Elisa Healy were there. Um, the older sort of people were probably myself. Nicole Bolton was a little bit experienced and Sarah Ailey yeah. uh, was over there. And we had the coach in Joanne Broadbent, so it was a whole lot of fun over there with Brogdy. It, it definitely wasn't as professional as what it would be uh, these days, but um, it was a great experience. and. Um, got the chance to actually open the batting in a couple of the games and I later on in my career when Joanne Broadbent did coach us for the New South Wales Breakers and Sydney Thunder I always reminded her of that but she never put me up the order again so I, I don't think I made that good of an impression <laughs> on her over in, in the New Zealand condition. And uh, not long after I think you'd only played five games for New South Wales you, you, you get the call up to the Rose Bowl series in Darwin uh, what, what are your recollections of that? Oh, I remember we just had a New South Wales A training. That was at the time when they sort of filled the gap between the under-19s and the, the breakers with a, with an A team. And I remember um, it was just pre-season training for us at that stage because in Darwin we were playing sort of – they were playing middle of, the, middle of the year, which was out of season typically. And uh, i just come back from a huge – holiday, we'll put it as a holiday, um, <laughs> over in Perth. So you could imagine all the little boutique breweries and the uh, nice wineries down at Margaret River. So I probably wasn't in the greatest shape, um, but we're coming back into pre-season. But um, so, yeah, so enjoyed some time over there. And we were sitting with the girls and I got the call and I was in shock. And the girls were like, what's going on? What's going on? And I just started, I burst into tears. That was the only reaction I could think of. And I was like, uh, Lisa Stalaker and Claire Smith are injured and they've just called me into the Australian team. And, yeah, from there I was on a flight, I think, the next night. Um, and, yeah, the rest was just – it was all pretty much a blur, sort of getting up there, bold with no name and no number on the back of the shirt. And um, remember Alex Blackwell was around there at the time, who's one of my fans, and, um, yeah, just being able to sort of have her and her support um, sort of made me really fit into that team, I think. Yeah, and you take three for on debut, three for 36, very tidy return. <laughs> um, do you want to indulge and uh, talk a little bit about that? <laughs> oh, look, I I thought 
international cricket was going to be so easy after that game. I, uh, <laughs> I, picked, up, I picked up a wicket in my first over and then I picked up a wicket in my second over. So I think I got uh, Sarah McGlashan, who's still around the traps these days. She played for the Sydney Sixers um, up until about last year, I think it was. And I think she's doing some work down in Tasmania as well. So it's nice to remind her every now and again that I uh, got, got you out sort of thing. But um yeah, from there, sort of got the three wickets and I got to bat in one of the games up there as well. I think I was batting for my average. I'm not sure if I got out, but I wouldn't have got that many. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really enjoyed the series. It was very sore body-wise after that. Sort of, I was probably lucky that I was quite young and able to bounce back a little bit for the games. But yeah, these days the body would definitely not hold up. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed the series. It was great to play in Darwin. I've never played there again, unfortunately, but it was a really great spot to play. And uh, yeah, we ended up winning the Rose Bowl and I don't think that's been lost for a, for a number of years now. And you never want to be the team that, that does lose it. But uh, Elise Perry also debuted in that series. So yeah, us two youngsters. Um, yeah, we, we sort of enjoyed that experience together, which was really nice. Yeah, very much so. Now, uh, you mentioned you're on holidays in Perth just before that time, you, you actually end up moving over to Perth. What what was the connection or the attraction to going over to Western Australia for the 08-09 summer? Yeah, so I had my debut season, which was just the, the five games for New South Wales. And then the next season, obviously played again, but I think I bowled about 32 overs in eight games. And I really wanted to, after having that taste of playing for Australia, I really wanted to to have that again. So I didn't get selected in the, the next series, which was against India, and, and that really hurt. So I guess bowling sort of 30-odd overs in a season is probably not quite enough to be putting your hand up for selection. So I thought it was a good opportunity to go west. Um, so I think I was 21 at the time and left all my family and friends back here and made the decision to go over there to try and bowl, or hopefully, 10 overs a game and bat a little bit higher to push for that Australian selection again and had a decent first year and managed to get my name up there in front of the selectors and, um, yeah, managed to make the Aussie team again, which was in perfect timing for the for the 09 World Cup, 50 over World Cup here in Sydney, which is quite special getting to play a World Cup in your home city, um, let alone your home country. So that was really exciting. Unfortunately, we didn't have the, uh, I guess, the finish that we wanted. I think we finished in fourth place, which wasn't ideal, but it was really nice to for, for my parents and, um, you know, my brother and, and friends to see me in Australian colours on home soil in Sydney. They did not get to make the trip up to Darwin. So to do that was really special to play in front of them, something, you know, they've helped me uh, through sacrifices really get get to that Australian level. So it was nice for them to to get that reward, I guess. Yeah, we, we had Leah Poulton on the program earlier this year and uh, she was talking about that World Cup as well. I think they had a game in Newcastle and uh, she's a Newcastle girl and she uh, sort of emphasised that point as well. It was just really nice to have the family and friends and you could almost uh, know where they were in the crowd and, and acknowledge um, – <laughs> Like acknowledge their support uh, support when you were going well. So, um, as you say, not the result you're after, but you you get the recall um, and then you, you make your way into the test team. Uh, tell us tell us about your, your test debut, two thousand and nine. Yeah, 
test matches are, are something very special and there is a lot of tradition behind the baggy green. I know there's a lot in the men's game, but the women hide it, hold it in such high regard as well. So to be able to receive that, I actually received it alongside Leah Poulton, uh, Rachel Haynes and Lauren Emsbury. So, um, yeah, once again, was able to debut with three other fantastic cricketers. Just on Leah Poulton, I hope you mentioned that she got some wickets up in Newcastle because... Batters love mentioning that they pick up international wickets every now and again. Oh, so she, she glossed I hope she, over. I hope she talked that up. No, she oh. glossed over her bowling. Maybe, maybe we could um, get her back to chat about that spell of bowling. <laughs> oh, I hope you have a couple of hours. Tell you what, I've been I've been commentating with Michelle Gosko, and she tells me she's got one international wicket as well. So. Um, yeah, the batters get very excited about that. But, um, yeah, so I was able to debut with with those people with the baggy green. Uh, unfortunately, it was a test ma- uh, a draw. The test match ended up in a draw. There was no result, which was quite disappointing. You know, when you go out there, you want to get a result on the board. But, um, yeah, it was a draw and uh, picked up a couple of wickets and just remember sitting on the balcony uh, at the end of the game, body just aching, but... Uh, just a, a really nice feeling to know that, for me, in my eyes, I achieved the, the pinnacle of cricket, which was to play a test match for Australia. And I ended up getting a, a little tattoo on my foot of my, my test number, 156. So I've got that in Roman numerals on my foot. So it's oh, sort of, nice. Uh, yeah, so it's a, a close memory wherever I go. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a very... Yeah, a big highlight in my career. Yeah, just interested, uh, you mentioned when you went to WA, your goal was to try and bowl 10 overs a game. In the test match, you bowl 30 overs in the first innings. How does – I've always wondered in the in the women's game, you, you play predominantly short format cricket. How do you prepare yourself to put your body through the rigours of, of a test match? I was quite lucky at the time um, there were – four or five of us, sorry, that went up to the it was the Centre of Excellence at the time. It's now known as the um, NCC, the National Centre of um, Excellence or something like that up in Brizzy. And uh, we were fortunate enough, Erin Osborne, Elise Bellani, Elise Perry and Lauren Evsbury and myself to spend a month up there. So we were training nearly every day, um, you know, lifting weights, living, being the professional cricketers that we see today so you know to be doing that in 2009 was something really special because you know it hadn't been done before so um yeah as a fast bowler being up there and bowling loads and knowing that the test match was coming up uh coach at the time Richard McInnes had thrown you a red ball and um yeah you just sort of build your loads up in that sense so it's unfortunate though today we see a lot of the fast bowlers getting you know, back injuries and leg injuries and all that sort of stuff. So we are on loads, but it is a bit of a shock to the system when you do have to go out there and bowl, yeah, 30 overs in a game or whatever it may be. So I even for the spinners, sort of you feel for them because that's such an unnatural um, thing to do as well, bowling so many overs in a day. So um, there definitely is some strength and conditioning and, and science stuff behind it. And it's just trying to get in as many overs as possible. I was down at the park the other day with a, a local Bangladeshi team came down that just played park cricket on the afternoons and I actually think I bowled about 15 overs to them and I'm still <laughs> feeling it today. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how we used to do it. Um, but, yeah, so still very sore today, but I am a lot older now than I was back then. So uh, we'll, we'll put it down to the age. Now, is, is commentating on the WBBL just giving you itchy feet by the sounds of things? Sounds like um, 
Sounds like there's a bit of a spark there to keep rolling the arm over. <laughs> yeah, there is. Well, I like being competitive. So, and I like I just love bowling. So, and then you know, if you bowl a good ball, you you sort of extend your follow through and give the the batter a cheeky smile or a little sledge or. If they hit you for six, you just give them a little clap and say, yeah, about time, good shot. <laughs> so um, I, I do miss it a little bit. And when I'm sitting up commentating with uh, Robbie McKinley, sometimes I think it would be nicer to be out on the pitch than uh, sitting next to him. But <laughs> he's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. Um, look, at Hurstville the other day, uh, it was a green top. And I, I was a bit itching to get out there. But it was about 14 degrees. So I was like, oh, no, warm-ups in this weather is probably not, not too good. So, um Look, and the Thunder Girls are doing really well, so I've been really happy for them. I think they've got a good group. As much as I'd love to play, and I will play some park cricket or some grade cricket, uh, yeah, sort of the the professionalism that the game sort of got to, it was just getting past me a little bit. So, um, yeah, itchy feet a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I think the girls are doing a great job and uh, hopefully they'll have a good season. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just back on your time in England uh, you have a little stint with Nottinghamshire and you, you mentioned earlier you'd worked on your batting and, and another one of the attractions of WA was a chance to get up the order. Uh, you peel off a couple of tonnes for Nottinghamshire. <laughs> How good. Oh, yeah, look, you know, the county cricket system over there, it's very different to the WNCL was over here. Sort of, you know, back here you'd train two or three times a night um, before it sort of became professional. But over there it was one day a week they didn't worry if you didn't turn up to training. Um, it was, yeah, very laid back. So, you know, it was just a bit of fun. But went over there and um, Jenny Dunn at the time was like, no, no, Susie can open the batting. She'll be right. She'll be right. She's decent. Like, she'll get past the new ball. And the first game they all saw me play, I think I played and missed for about the first five to ten overs. And they were on the boundary line and Jenny was like, I thought you said she could bat. Um <laughs> So, but fortunately for, for myself and for Jenny, I stuck out there and yeah, managed to get get some decent scores on the board throughout my time over there. So, uh, I think they were happy with my batting. My bowling probably wasn't as good um, as what it should have been, being predominantly a bowler. Um, and I couldn't swing the Duke ball, which was really interesting because I thought I'd go over there and, and hoop it, being a you know sort of natural in swinger. But um, yeah, couldn't do much with that. So. Uh, that was quite disappointing, but it was it was a great experience and a lot of fun. And I think, you know, if there are any young cricketers out there that get the chance, hopefully when COVID's over and we get to travel again, get the chance to experience whether it's, you know, the UK or somewhere else, to really just go and see how other teams do it and, you know, meet a, a, a great bunch of people in this at the same time. So, and if you do go to the UK, the, the afternoon teas are great. So, uh, chips, chocolate, all that sort of stuff's allowed. So I was like, you wouldn't get that back in Australia. <laughs> it's all fruit and sandwiches. And so, cut-up um, celery yeah, and cut-up carrots. Yeah, carrot sticks, yeah, yeah, with a healthy dip that you're only allowed a little bit of. So, <laughs> yeah, so, no, but it was, it, was, it was a great experience and made a lot of friends over there, which uh, when you go back and play over there, it was really nice to catch up with them and see them and, you know, share a drink and a chat and see how they're still going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, and those lifelong friendships as well uh, that come through cricket, just just extending the network, I guess, having a, another group of people that you, you've, you've got those memories with to um, to share with for a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever need a place to stay, you know, wherever it is in the world, um, you know, you've got those connections that you could um, sort of rely on to 
show you around or give you a free night's accommodation. So uh, that's that's what I sort of mentioned at the beginning, why I'm so happy my brother chose cricket because that team sport and playing against other people like that, I just think it's a, a fantastic thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, in the recent Men's World Cup, it went to a super over and it was tied and there was a bit of a count back and uh, England lifted the trophy. What a lot of people may not remember, other than loyal listeners of the Cricket Library podcast, because we did talk to Leah Poulton about this as well, um, <laughs> the, uh, the World T20 in 2010, there was a super over and a count back and, and you were the designated uh, person to go out and tee off in that super over. Uh, Australia playing against England, uh, the, the game's mm. tied, 104, 104, and then super over time. W- what are your recollections of, of the super over? Leah was telling us that it was one of the first times after they'd gone through the phase of having the bowl off, and I, I quite liked the bowl off concept, um, but they, they moved into super over. Talk us through it and, and your recollections. Yeah, so I'd been batting at the time and I think I was in with Lisa Stalaker and we only, I think we needed a fair few off the last over and, and we managed to get within, you know, one run of it and I hit it straight to mid-off to Beth Morgan and I said yes. You know, usually she was a bit older and, you know, hit and run sort of thing and she directly hit the stumps and it wasn't a TV game so they couldn't go upstairs but direct hit umpire generally gets it out and I spoke later, later to a few of the girls um, including Jenny Gunn and she was like oh, we think you were safe so we got the <laughs> right result in the end but the super over yeah because I think I was already set they made the decision that oh well you're in you were facing you know the conditions and what's going on so you can stay out there and didn't think too much of it at the time and um, I think I nailed my first shot straight to cover and I said, no, no run. And Leah's like, I think Leah was at the other end, yeah. actually. And she was like, run. And I was like, okay. So I got on my bike and ran. And we made it. I don't think we made too many runs, to be fair. But um, because just Cameron hit a six, I think we had the only six of the game. You and did. I think boundaries were equal and all that sort of stuff. So I think Shelly Nitschke bowled the super over. So I wasn't required for my services for my bowling once again. Um, but yeah, we managed to get away with it. And I think that ended up knocking England out of any contention of even making the semi-finals for that World Cup, which for them to win it the year prior and not make the semis was a real big deal. So, um, I mean, it's always nice to beat the Palms. I can't say that we smashed them, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, to, to beat them, it's always a nice feeling. And yeah, it was, it was, you know, sort of, yeah, like you say, one of the first, um, Super overs for for its time, so I don't think you had maximum wickets at that stage. So I think once you know you lost two or three, that was your innings. But yeah, we managed to do okay and come away with the win and ended up winning that tournament, which was our first T Twenty World Cup victory, uh, yeah, ever. Yeah, real nail biter, three run victory over New Zealand. Um, tense stuff. You 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 bowled the second last over, I think, from memory. Oh. I did. I, I did my best to lose it for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I came around the wicket to Sophie Devine. And at the time, you know, we didn't, we knew Sophie was a great player, but, you know, look what she's done between the last 10 years yeah. to, to really cement that position. But I came around the wicket to her and that was just really in her wheelhouse. And she hit me for one or two sixes, maybe a couple of boundaries. And I sort of wanted to hide on the boundaries for the last <laughs> over and just, I don't think I could have fronted the team if we uh, if we lost, but fortunately, Pez 
uh, bowled the last one and again I think it was Sosa that cracked that beautiful straight drive and Pez stuck her foot out and stopped it from going for four and, and won us the game so uh, big celebrations and I came off and I said oh Rich McInnes I'm, I'm sorry mate like I nearly lost it he's like all good all good so uh, yeah we, we celebrated there was a bit of dancing on stage there was no Katy Perry at that stage to entertain us um, yeah, but I think there was yeah, absolutely. I think there was some good West Indian music happening and um, a few of the Aussie boys, because they played prior to us, uh, right. stayed on and watched and came for a few drinks in the change room, which was really sweet. Um, obviously, after you know losing a World Cup final, it's always a bit bit of a sour note. So for them to stick around and support us girls, um, that was really sweet. I think that was led by Michael Clark. I think there's some footage of him on the balcony that sort of some people have shown us and we obviously saw them there at the time. So... Um, yeah, I think that's probably the start of where sort of the men's and women's teams really started, you know, sort of getting along and combining and being one under the banner of Australian cricket. Yeah, yeah, no, good times. And uh, certainly since then, uh, we've just seen a real explosion uh, of, of the women's game. We'll get, get to a bit more of that soon as well. Um, now, the hat trick. I don't know. I guess I guess you don't get asked about this very much. People have probably forgotten about it. You probably probably got to remind people every now and then. Um, before we get to the actual hat trick, um, 2014 Bankstown Oval Australia v England Test match. I've got to ask you about the. Uh, I think it might have been the second wicket in the five for five for twenty three. Jenny Gunn caught at first slip. How good's your appeal going for the catch at first slip? Oh, yeah. Well, Jenny Gunn being one of my best mates and obviously playing a lot of cricket against and with her. Um, I mean, you always love getting your, your mates out. So, um, yeah, look, I love my appealing. Um, I love getting wickets, especially when it's for Australia. Um, but great catch. I think just Cameron gobbled that one up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just, it sort of, just sort of felt that I was on top a little bit there and could really you know, push and keep contributing. And um, it was just sort of a lull how the test match was going. And then sort of you get that wicket and, yeah, the adrenaline kicks in. And, um, yeah, I guess the rest was, was history in the next over. So it's, uh, yeah, Robbie McKinlay will talk it up any time he gets a chance. <laughs> I think when I was on commentary with him the other day, I think it took him maybe nine balls. Oh, I, I think it, it was less. Been. I think so, it was um, within the first over because uh, <laughs> Megan Shute was on a hat-trick, I think, third ball oh, of the game. Yes. Yes, so, yes, of course. There you go. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so. The, the first one was a big one because Charlotte Edwards had made 114 not out in that first innings for England and she's she's the first one of, of the grouping of three. Um, must, have been, must have been pretty pumped just to get that one, let alone the next two. Yeah, look, Charlotte Edwards has been a class player, was a class player for many, many years and she would really hold that batting line up together for, for England. So um, we always knew because she was getting a little bit older and her knees were going a little bit that if we could get it sort of straight enough and, and on the pads that we might be in with a shout for LB. So um, always in my mind I was taught in test cricket, just try and make them play, make them play. So every time I bowled sort of a ball into cricket, that was the idea that was in my head. And, and if you got that little bit of shape back in, um, then happy days. And yeah, it wrapped her on the pads and, went up for it and uh, Walker gave it out and um, yeah, sort of that, that was the two wickets in, in three balls at that stage and 
like I say, we just sort of felt that turning a little bit. That was such a, yeah, it was a big wicket and um, I think I probably appealed a bit like a goose then as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I say, I just love taking wickets and, yeah, that feeling was, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then the Ashes win the next year in England, you contribute uh, in that one as well. What was it like winning? I think you were the first Australian team to win the Ashes in something like 14 years on English soil. Uh, what was what was the emotion around that, having having that success in England? Yeah, that was a really tough tour for me. Um, I managed to play only the last of the three one-dayers, um, which was really upsetting. I thought, you know, sort of coming off the back of some good series over here in Australia, I think against Pakistan and Sri Lanka, and then sort of we had the new coach in Matthew Mod, and, you know, obviously different coaches see different aspects and, and how you play and all that sort of stuff. So, it was really challenging. Um, so you got to play one of the one days. Uh, I was dropped to the test match as well, which was really upsetting and, and sort of took that really hard. And it, it is quite hard when you have to rock up day after day for four days, just sitting on the boundary, running mm. drinks, and then you've got to go to the nets and bowl and keep your loads up and, and also field as well because we knew we still had three T20 games to come, which in that sort of series, how, it, how it's worked, it's every game super important. So... Yeah, that was really tough. Um, and we were fortunate enough to win the test match, which I think gave us about six points. So we sort of had a decent lead, but we needed to win it because England had won the year before. So uh, we missed the first T20 as well, which again, <laughs> really disappointing. Sounds like I didn't play much cricket at all on this tour, doesn't it? Um, and I remember the second T20 game, I was... Uh, just warming up, getting ready to, to bowl to the batters because I didn't think I was playing. They said the same 12 were selected, um, but they hadn't announced the team yet because they were wanting to see, I guess, what the conditions were like that evening. And I remember Sean Slegler came up to me and I was like, yeah, it's okay. I know I'm just going to warm up and bowl to the batters and help get them prepared. And he said, oh, no, Fezzi, you're actually playing. I was like, oh, yeah. So I ran to the change rooms and changed into, you know, my playing kit and all that sort of stuff. And um, uh, we didn't get that many runs that game. I think we only managed to tick over 100. And England were quite strong and, and obviously had a long tail and all that sort of stuff. And But we managed to get early wickets, which was really cool. And um, my memory is getting Danny Wyatt run out. She's a, a definite game changer. And I'm not sure if you've seen any of the last time she was out here in Australia, I think she knocked up a couple of hundreds and yep. she's just a real a really, you know, great player that can take the game away from you. So um I managed to run her out at the bowler's end, which I think was a bit of a turning point um in that match that we sort of felt that we were really on top and it was really time to put the foot down and um I got the last wicket in that game and uh JJ caught it on the boundary with a beautiful catch and I I call her Butters because she often has butter fingers, and I know she won't mind me saying that because we've got a really good friendship. But um, yeah, I came up with a nickname Butters because the ball would get hit back to her and she sort of fumble it around a little bit. But she caught this one, and it was just the it was the best feeling. I remember running down to yeah, deep mid on and just embracing everyone in a hug that we knew we had won and we'd created created a little bit of history which hadn't been done like say in fourteen odd years. So. Um, and that was exciting for me too because I, I remember going to the press conference and um, Jesse Hogan was there and I, I don't even remember how it came up but I was like something about love to, to talk to my mate Carl Stefanovic and bowl to him or something like that and um, the next day 
uh, we were in Wales. And um, that morning I was talking to Kyle and Lisa on the Today Show. So that was, uh, yeah, pretty exciting times. And in the end, I got to bowl through him in the nets. He came down to the SD and I rolled the arm over to him with Ash Gardner was there and a couple of other New South Wales breakers girls. So, yeah, just a, a really exciting experience. And I think that sort of, that was around the time that the women's game really grew traction into, hey, this team is really good and they're starting something here. And yeah. I think there was a bit more in the media and obviously social media really coming to a head as well. So, yeah, it was a, it was a really exciting time. And, um, yeah, to be a part of it. We obviously then lost the last P20 game over there. I think there was a few uh, few hangovers or something <laughs> that might have been going on. But, um, yeah, I'd like to think that, you know, we still went out there with the intent to win as the Australian women's cricket team did every time we, we stepped on the field. Yeah, and you, you talk about that momentum that we're getting in, in the women's game, WBBLO won. How exciting yeah. was that to see? Like you'd, you'd have you'd have uh, you'd had four seasons uh, of the the men's big bash, and then uh, the women's women's big bash comes in, and the Thunder win first season. Renee Farrell twenty six wickets. Um, your um, your first international wicket. Um, Sarah McGlashan, you knock over in the final as well. Another another good conversation <laughs> starter with her. Maybe we need to get her on to have a chat to give her a right of reply. But um, that, that, that whole season, um, we've had a few Thunder players on uh, talking about uh, the club and how the whole Thunder Nation and, and the, the men's and the women's team being really united right from the start and what a difference that made. What, what are your reflections on the the launch of the WBBL and the impact uh, that it had on you and has had on cricket in general? Yeah, well, uh, Nick Commons was the manager at the time, not the honey badger, the other Nick Commons. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, he really made an effort to make the girls feel welcome and, and that it was one club. Um, and I think we sort of saw that through. Like people were like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But to us it did mean a lot that if a playing number was taken by a male or a female player, then that was your number on your shirt, on your back. So I think, you know, that sort of sort of put the foundations in for, hey, this is, we are one, two teams, but one club. Um, and that was the feeling that we had. And uh, I remember Alice Blackwell was away for the actual season launch, which she, she was over in the UK playing some cricket, which was she was devastated at. And I rocked up at the, the season launch with a few of the other teams, um, or all the teams were there. And by the Sydney Harbour Bridge and we're taking photos and, you know, there were no sponsors on the shirts. They were oversized. Um, pants probably didn't fit either. <laughs> but we sort of felt that, like, this is the start of something big. We saw how the men's big bash grew and we knew that if we could – we knew we knew what we could bring to the table with our cricketing ability and we knew if we could just, you know, do that constantly in this T20 format, then, you know, we saw the potential of what it could grow into and – for the Sydney Thunder to win that first year, that's a definite highlight in the in my career as well. Um, going into the tournament, I think we were seven out of eight, looking like we were going to win win the win the tournament. And um, love an underdog and love being the underdog. So um, yeah, it was really good. The first game, Joanne Broadbent, we we're playing the uh, Sydney Sixers. So love the crosstown rivalry playing the Sydney Sixers out at Howell Oval and, you know, it was our home crowd out there at Penrith. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, the SCG or somewhere like that, but 
got a decent crowd out there and Rolf was like, just go out there and enjoy this. She goes, as I was driving in, I was driving in with a biggest smile on my face. She goes, let's go out there and let's just enjoy this. And if you do what you can do, that's all that, you know, we can ask for. So we, um, yeah, we, we beat the Sydney Sixers in that first game, which was uh, really, and I think that sort of kicked us into gear that, because we saw them as that star-studded team that they were, you know, they had Healy, Perry, Stalaker. So to knock them off in that first game, I think that really made us believe. Um, and yeah, we just had a, a really good season. We knocked off the Perth Scorchers in the semi-final in Adelaide and then got to play on the MCG against the Sydney Sixers again in the final. So Another close game against that group. Um, again, sort of going down to the wire. And I think most of the games that we do play against the Sixers, uh, they're always quite close encounters, which is, is what you want. And I think that just proves how strong cricket in New South Wales is. And, and I've been really fortunate to be a part of it throughout most of my career, but also to experience, you know, a different organisation in the WACA, which has also come a long way now that sort of Christina Matthews is over there. And I think she's done a great job. And, the Perth Scorchers are favourites to win this year. So they've got their two big recruits in, in Devine and Beth Mooney. So they obviously won the WNCL title last year, which was my last game. So that still hurts a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, glad to see that, that cricket is sort of really thriving in the West. Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. And um, the feeling of the men and the women winning the same year, was there a bit of um – a bit of a joint celebration there? Yeah, there was. Um, we watched their game and I remember Charlotte Annabelle was just hugging the trophy all night. <laughs> I think she might have been I think she might have been asking kids for a dollar for a photo and I was like, Sha, this is brilliant. Money making scheme, I like it. We we obviously <laughs> didn't, but <laughs> uh, and then we we got the group photo with the boys uh, down on the MCG and I think that's something really special because you won't see that again, especially now with the women playing in October, November, and the men playing around that sort of December, January time frame. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see that double happen probably ever again. So, to be part of that was was very special. And we went down into the change rooms after and had a few celebratory drinks with the boys. And uh, the next day, Alex Blackwell, myself. And I think Naomi Stallenberg um, were off to Adelaide to play against India. Uh, we had a T20 series against them after that. So it was uh, really full on. But, yeah, that was something really special that, um, again, was a, a something you back at and, and be like, wow, that was a real piece of history that, that I have and back with me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, WNCL uh, rolled on as well, uh, a, a good – win and a good performance for you in the 2016 final, three for 20 in the decider against Queensland. Was that, uh, do, do you have any favourite WNCL final wins or do they all have um, good memories for good reasons? Towards the back end of my career, I really appreciated winning. Um, I hope that doesn't sound too silly, but you just sort of never know when your last game is going to be, whether it is through injury, whether it is through not getting contracted um, or whether it's through retirement, like you've just had enough of the game. So, yeah, it was sort of when I stopped playing cricket for Australia and uh, I sort of struggled mentally a little bit during that time and it was the time that state cricket then went professional and 
we were training. I had to get up at five in the morning to go in for a seven o'clock run around Centennial Park. And then, I mean, you had the rest of the day to yourself while it was just fitness based. But, and I was like, why am I doing this for? And I had a good chat with uh, Brogzy, Joanne Broadbent, and she was just like, look, I'm backing you. Like, go and show people what you can do. Um, and that, that's like, I still had a love for the game and, and training with those girls at seven o'clock in the morning, really, it was, the Australian players weren't there, but it, it was just this tight knit group at Cricket New South Wales. So Naomi Stallenberg, Lauren Smith, Maisie Gibson, Nicola Carey, like it, it really made us quite resilient, I think. And that really helped us, us for the next couple of seasons when it became a lot more professional and um, yeah, running at that time of the morning is not ideal, especially in winter. I was like, I play summer sport for a reason to be out in the sun. Uh, so, yeah, Brogs was really good in just, you know, focus on what you want to do and, and how you want to end your career. That's up to you and, um, you know, what legacy you want to leave. So sort of made a conscious effort to really help, or I thought I tried to help the youth, especially the young fast bowlers come through um, just with different skill sets, mindsets, and just take the time to get to know them as people, which I think is really important. Yeah. And yeah, just on the win- on the winning front, just like celebrate every win because you know that group is never going to be together again. Because like I say, people retire, get injured, um, move states, whatever it is. So yeah, winning any game of cricket. So that those back end games were, were really enjoyable, and and you know performing in them is really good. But yeah, celebrate everyone's uh, achievements. I think was really important. And and when did you when did you come to the realization that that it was time to plan for the next chapter? Thunder last year, and there were days where I was like, usually when I'm on the field playing, it's like I'm fine. It's game time. It's like game on. You switch on that white line fever. But there were times I was on the field, and I was like, what am I doing out here? And um, it really hit me in in Wollongong. Uh, we were playing the Adelaide Strikers down there, and I was just like, I'm not enjoying this. Um, I'm probably a detriment to the team with this mindset that I have. And I just don't think it's sort of, yeah, good for me to be out here. So I remember the drive home, and I was just sort of cause Wollongong to where I live back in Sydney, sort of an hour hour drive, and just sort of had a, had a good think about what I wanted to do and I just thought it would be good if we're, we're due to go to Hobart um, the ne- the next for the next game and I just thought if I stay at home and just assess my options um, and not not go down there and, and see what I want um, and and Trevor Griffin was really great and I think he could sort of see that you know my, my body language and that wasn't as what it what it was what it used to be yeah. So I said, fine, Fezzi, like, take that time, enjoy the weekend, you know, get some family time in there and just assess what you want. So that I did watch the girls and that was another game that went to a Super Over and I was like, hearing me, all these Super Overs, like, what's going on here? But, um, yeah, they unfortunately lost that and part of me felt a little bit responsible and guilty that I couldn't just sort of push through that mental feeling that I had. But at the same time, I was like, no, you made the right decision if you were there, like your attitude could have affected others. So yeah. I made the right call in not going, but I, I did miss them and I, I miss yeah, not being able to contribute. And I really thought I owed myself to come back and, and play the rest of the season and really try and finish on a high. Um, 
as well as I felt the game was getting a little bit beyond me, sort of, I'm not the, I'm not as fast as some in in the pace department. I'm probably only bowled just just over 100k, and that's if everything goes right. And I just felt, you know, with the different um, strengths and and all that of the batters, uh, that my bowling was slowly not as not what it used to be. I think I only picked up 16 wickets last season, and for me, that just probably wasn't where I wanted to be. So. Um, I spoke to Trev throughout the year and I just said, look, I think this will be my last season playing um, and I'm going to retire after that. And credit to him, the only person he obviously told was Rachel Haynes just to let her know on that last day. And yeah, uh, I didn't want to take it away from Alex, but we were sitting having dinner the night before because Alex was retiring in that final game as well. And, and Sam's like, Sam Bates was like, you should tell her. And I was like, tell me what? And we were just having, a, you know, a glass of red with dinner and just to celebrate our career. And she's like, you're retiring, aren't you? I said, yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she made that lovely gesture of um, obviously telling the uh, – well, Trev told Sam because I was out there batting um, for the final delivery of the game that we lost and my final delivery of the game ever in T20 cricket got hit for six. Oh. So I was like, <laughs> it's the right time to retire. <laughs> um, but I was out there and – it was lovely that there were three or four other teams that were there playing on that weekend at the junction and they formed a guard of honour for Al and, and myself, um, which, yeah, I, like I said, I think Al's career is something so special that probably deserved, um, you know, like what Gary Ablett and Harry Taylor were like for Geelong Cats. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Al being Al, the great team person and, and just, yeah, person in general that she is, was like, no, Fezzi, I want you to walk off with me. But she made me cry on national TV. So I try, <laughs> come on, Alex. Um, yeah, come on, Seal. I, can, I have a reputation to uphold, and that's no kids. But uh, yeah, and we just we just had a nice um, celebration in the change rooms after that, and uh, it was really nice to to be set up in that way. But again, really good to see that the Sunday girls are doing so well this year. Yeah, and. Um the decision to finish up was a like a joint one. Your your WNCL career uh, finishing up there in in the final at uh, North Sydney Oval. Yeah, I just thought yeah, all of it was the right time. So um, I was pretty happy with my fifty overseas and um, thought I bowled quite well and got some valuable runs as well. But sort of the likes of Stella Campbell, Haley Silverholmes, Hannah Darlington, they were all coming through, and I just thought. It is a young team and, you know, you've still got Phoebe Litchfield in there who's super young as well. And I, I just thought that it was just the right time and I just didn't want to push it. Like I, I really wanted to end on a high. Um, and I think, you know, I sort of remember Jonathan Brown, um, the Brisbane Lion forward, and it just sort of felt like he pushed it one year too many and that's always stuck in my mind as, as an athlete that I just don't want to push it too far and, um, to go out on a high, I think you owe that to yourself for all the hard work and um, yeah, dedication that you put into the game. So just knew it was the right time. And, yeah, unfortunately, we, we didn't get the victory at North Sydney against WA, but at the same time, it was really nice to see WA win it um, because of what they had done for me in my cricket career, yeah. uh, going over there and giving me that opportunity as a 21-year-old kid. So. Uh, I, I was glad to see it was them and, and no one else, if I can put it like that. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, what's next for Renee Farrell? We've really enjoyed hearing you in commentary in the <laughs> in, in the in the WBBL. I'm a big fan of your work there, and um, thank you. Uh, enjoy what you add to that. What 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 are you planning? What's um, what's on the horizon? Oh well, look, we're meant to move overseas, but uh, that's not happening now because of COVID. So I think yeah, Plan B was sort of this commentary stuff came up, which is really exciting. Um, I am studying primary teaching, so oh, I've nice. got my crack work, crack work to go. So watch out, primary kids of uh, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might get a cricket-focused teacher coming your way, but no, I've got a bit of prac to do there. Um, and also, yeah, we'd love to get into coaching. So if there's opportunities sort of level two, I think they cancelled one cricket New South Wales, unfortunately, with COVID. I think it's Unfortunately, wrecked a lot of people's livelihoods at the moment, but um, yeah. it's really good sort of even in my local street, you know, I know, know my neighbours a lot better now and we catch up for wine and cheese um, every every now and again and just check in on each other. So I think the one thing that COVID has brought is, is yeah, really keeping us together and even though at times we need to be socially distancing. But, um, yeah, I think that's sort of one good thing that's happened there. So... But enjoying the commentary and enjoying the WBBL and, like I say, I'll roll the arm over in club cricket and see if I can pick up a few wickets there and maybe sledge a few batters coming through. <laughs> but um, uh, the alter ego comes out. It's known as Michelle or Mish. So um, okay. a bit of a nasty character. Nasty character. So, um, But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be keeping busy. And, and if all that fails, then I'll just uh, walk the dog for – an hour today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Now, before we let you go, you, you did mention earlier Carl Stefanovic uh, having a net with you at one stage. Our hardest hitting, most popular question on this podcast is <laughs> who would Renee Farrell bring to the nets? You've got three invitations you can send out. Uh, and and yep. to be fair, I, I, was, I was extra kind to Maisie Gibson. I allowed her to... Um, Get a bit of an accreditation pass for her her mum to, oh, to, to, to to just come and watch. But um, yep, and and, and uh, this probably um, shows a little bit more about me than our guests. I also did give permission for Aidan Blizzard to have an extra person as well. But strictly three <laughs> people, Renee. Uh, who are your top three? Who are you netting with? Yeah, these leg spinners and batters are always trying to break the rules. Keepers <laughs> would be in there as well. So I will, will stick to your rules. Um, well, like I said, growing up, I've had my mum, so I'm not going to choose her anymore because she'll probably just dent my confidence. Carl <laughs> Stefanovic was pretty good, um, so and I've been there, done that, so I'm not going to choose him. Yep. Or one person I will choose straight off the bat will be – sorry about that pun there um, – <laughs> I will choose Alex Blackwell as my first one. Now, I know you probably think not much thought has gone into this, but there is a lot of thought. Okay. I love bowling to the steel. That's Alex's nickname. Okay. Um, when I used to bowl to her, it used to be the best contest in the net. You'd, be, you'd bowl a good ball and she'd be like, yep, one, and run a single. I'm like, ow, there's straight to the fielder. But we had mutual respect for each other. Uh, she'd let you know if it was a good ball. I could try different things to it, like coming around the wicket. Um, yeah, it was just always fun and it was always competitive. So I really enjoyed that contest and I kind of missed that. And now that we're both retired and, well, she's older than me, but I'll say that we're both old. Um, <laughs> I just think it'd, be, it'd still be fun and interesting and, and with just polite sledging and all that sort of stuff. And, and like I say, Al, in my mind, is 
the greatest ever um, player for Australia in the women's game. I just think she's a legend, a beautiful person, beautiful cricketer. And she's from down the River Arena, so she's a country girl. So what more can you ask for? Yeah, tick, tick. Um, so well done, Al. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hope you pay me this for this later. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the second person, now I did put thought into this because I'm a mad Carlton Blues fan. Oh, I you are too. Yeah. Follow them ever since I can remember, so very, very young. Um, they're going to win the next uh, the premiership next year. So well, uh, I actually had a dream that, that they were going to win this year, but um, that was obviously for next yeah. year. And that was obviously a dream. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so oh, I tell everyone every year that will listen, oh, no, top four this year, we got a good squad, got a good squad. But we do have a good squad. The person I would like to, uh, I, I guess being the bowler, I've got a bowl, but I love Paige Simpson. Okay. Again, just, re- just retired, but played hard till the end, got Falcon of the Year this year, getting kicked in the head. <laughs> Surprised he got up after that one. Um, just a, I think he just the way he plays the game, he's obviously a defender, so doesn't get much recognition. Just like us fast bowlers, you have to get a bag full of wickets to even be considered for player of the match. Yeah. So I'm going with Kate Simpson because I just love him and I think he's just a lovely human being. Don't know him, but that's what he looks like. So, um, yeah, Kate Simpson's definitely up there. Yeah. And well, my last one, my last one, hopefully this isn't taking up too much of time. I'm sure Maisie would have chatted you off too. Oh, and definitely. And she had more people. So, <laughs> um, the last one I'm going with, and this one's a bit left field, but I was like, oh, I'm actually really into um, liking Nick Jonas from the Jonas Brothers. Now, I know I'm 33 and I sound like I'm 18. Okay. I've just I've just watched Jumanji, yeah. both of them, the new ones, and really liked him in that. I watched Songland, which is a show on Fox on E, and I like listening to music when I train. So I was like, he can just stand in the corner and sing while I'm bowling to Alex Blackwell and Kate Simpson. So it's oh, perfect. How good's <laughs> that? How good. How good. So um, they're my three choices, and I'm not going to say anything more because – we stick by the rules, us paces. Yeah, that's right. It's good. It's good to finally have someone sticking by the rules and not yeah. um, playing on my kinder side, trying to sneak someone yeah, else in. Absolutely. Oh, that, that that is a magnificent <laughs> three selection. I, I, I like it when we get a bit of diversity. Um, that is that is very diverse and um, a, a, a very enjoyable net session. That one. And who you you'd pick up wickets there? You think? Oh, look, Alex would probably be out nearly every second ball, (laughs) even though she'd she'd be running on them. But, look, I mean, I'd definitely be getting the new rock and uh, trying to bowl some in-swing. So um, hopefully it's on a synthetic pitch too because then I could probably put a few bounces down. But if it's on turf, I'm definitely not getting them up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's gold. Well, thanks so much, Renee. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Uh, all the best for the commentary in the coming weeks on the WBBL and your primary school teaching prac. Great to hear there'll be lots of primary school kids playing cricket when you're in the classroom. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah, thanks so much again for joining us. Not a problem. Thank you so much for having me. I had a, had a ball. A massive thanks to Renee Farrell for joining us on this edition of the Cricket Library podcast. What a wonderful story and still so much ahead for Renee Farrell in the future, but a wonderful career as a cricketer, paved away through the ranks at New South Wales, rolled the dice, went to WA, 
and had a magnificent career for Australia across all three formats. A Ashes hat trick to a name. Fantastic to hear more about her story today on the program, and it's one that I'm sure you will have enjoyed just as much as I did. Thank you so much to you, our listeners, as well. I really do appreciate the feedback we've been getting with our new series, The Cricket Library Weekly. Thank you so much for those that tune in for that one as well. It's been an exciting time for us, a a very exciting summer ahead, and looking forward to bringing you more conversations like this one that will hopefully inspire a love of cricket in you. And to help us to keep doing that, please make sure you leave a rating and review on your favourite podcast provider. And spread the word. Tell your friends. uh, Let them know some of the chats we've had on here. There's some really interesting ones in the back catalogue. Kristen Beams in there. We had uh, Leah Poulton, as we mentioned earlier in the in the conversation with Renee. Uh, also had Roberta Moretti Avery, the captain of the Brazil women's team. Johan Bota, Maxi Klinger, Nathan Horitz, Ryan Harris. There's plenty there to go back and have a listen to when you've got some time. And I will very much look forward to your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Podcast. Bye for now.